Innovation Rockstars. Innovation Rockstars. Today with Eric Wörsing, Vice President of Global Innovation at the logistics company DB Schenker. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Innovation Rockstars. My name is Chris Mühlroth, and in this episode, I am pleased to welcome Erik Wörsing, Vice President, Global Innovation with DB Schenker. Erik's focal points are innovation trends, research and development, startup partnerships, and the DB Schenker Lab. So 120% innovation, if you will. Erik, it's great to have you on the show. It's a pleasure, and I think we have a lot to discuss. Hi, Chris. Hi, everybody out there. So many thanks for the invitation here to this great, fantastic podcast. It's great to have you here. So we will kick things off, as usual, with a 60 seconds introduction sprint about you, your career and your current role. So, Eric, the stage is yours. Let's go. Okay, then let's really kick that off. So, as you said, my name is Eric, Eric Wirsing, responsible for global innovation at DB Schenker. So, we are a logistics company. I'm working already quite a long time within logistics, so more than 22 years. To be correct, 22 years, one month and 11 days today. So, quite a long time. And I'm caring about, as you said, about trends, new technologies, the future of logistics, everything that is uh, changing, our business behavior, our business model, everything that might be that opportunity, a threat, a chance, a possibility. And uh, we are always trying to find out, so my team and I, that uh, we're trying to establish new uh, ways of working and uh, to be faster, better and uh, different than our competitors. So as you said, logistics is uh, all about startups. It's all about new trends. It's all about yeah, bringing new knowledge to the organization. And that is something that we are aiming for, to really bring new knowledge to our organization. Because we at Schenker, we are 76,000 people in 130 countries. So we have 76,000 great people out there. And we as Innovation are supporting them to also telling our customers that logistics is maybe much more than you might expect because it's much more than only transporting things from A to B and maybe storing them. No, logistics is absolutely more. More to that later. It's absolutely more, thanks. And uh, okay, so next thing, I have three sentence starters for you and I would like you to complete them. So number one, my favorite means of transportation at the moment is... Actually, I would say... I'm still a big fan of driving my car, but uh, maybe I'm also drove already too much car, so looking forward to autonomous driving. But um, I also love to take the train because uh, my teams are also in different cities and then using the train between, that is always a great thing and to really work there. So at the moment, I would say train and car. Great. Okay. So sentence starter number two, logistics is... Totally cool, sexy, diverse, different... Uh, if you want to work in an international company and dealing with everything what's out there, then logistics is the place to be. Awesome. Great. And finally, number three, in a second life or maybe even in the metaverse, I would be... I think I would still work in logistics because I really love what I do. Uh, when I was younger, I had the idea and the dream to become an architect. Maybe something like that. But still, I'm really falling in love with logistics. So therefore, I would definitely go in the same direction again. Great. So we can distill a core theme that building things and new stuff certainly seems to be a passion. So let's start with a thought starter. Um, my first question to you would be, how open 
is logistics to innovation these days? Much more than maybe some years ago. So as I said, I'm more than 22 years already within the company and within logistics. And I think over the last 10 years, there was a lot of changes within our industry. And the last five, six, seven years was even more a disruption sometimes and also a transformation. So therefore, we are extremely open for innovation because we all know we are not alone on that planet. We have to cooperate with different partners, with different suppliers, with startups, with universities. And therefore, because we as a logistic industry and company, we are dealing with all legal setups, with all customer segments. And that is something where we really need also new ideas to be even there tomorrow and to be also relevant by tomorrow. So therefore, logistic is a great I would say, field for um, new ways of thinking, new ways of working. And of course, there's a lot of pressure on the market because we are one of the biggest logistic service provider on this planet, but our market share in total is around around 3%. So then you can imagine there are many, many, many other logistic companies that are out there. And it's also telling our customers that we are also future-oriented. We want to be there even tomorrow, helping also our customers to be there tomorrow. And therefore, Innovation is a necessity and a part of our DNA to always have a look what might be next, what is relevant tomorrow, how can we also um, help our customers to grow. And therefore, yeah, over the last five, six, seven years, a lot of things have happened. New technologies are entered our market. Also new startups enter the market, sometimes as a supporter, sometimes as a disruptor. And therefore, um, also our board and the whole industry recognized Yep, there is a big transformation in front of us. And uh, of course, when that transformation is there, you always can think on your own, okay, I don't care. And uh, everybody, because uh, we'll do the same even by tomorrow. Or you think, let's really adapt that, seeing what is in it for us, and really drive that further. And uh, we went for the second part. So we really want to adapt new technologies, want to integrate them, and to help our colleagues and our customers to be even better by tomorrow. So therefore, fantastic field for innovation, great new technologies. I think that the biggest challenge at the moment when it comes to innovation within our industry and maybe also in other industries, that there are too many possibilities. So really finding a focus, that is one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, I, I totally can relate to that. And uh, maybe before we go into the different challenges in the, the innovation maybe also focus areas. Let's talk about globalization for a bit. Um, maybe you can agree. So, you know, for a long time now, uh, globalization was perceived as a good thing, right? So fast delivery, low prices. Uh, but however, of course, there were questions on its, you know, environmental friendliness aspects or sustainability in general. But of course, the reality is, um, I think, on a global level, we actually have quite a cluster risk as far as container shipping companies are concerned, at least. I saw Mask in Denmark, Mediterranean in Switzerland, Costco Group in China, and so on. So we are dependent on a handful of big shipping companies. And then, you know, what happened? Then came the pandemic. Yeah, outbreaks at shipping companies and ports, backlogged container ships, collapse supply chain, and so on, just within a few days. So, um, you know, how did that go for DB Schenke? How did you actually perceive this disruption? Wow, you are well informed, but all what you said is completely right. So I think what is happening at the moment is, um, I think we never had such a situation before. And uh, 
we trained our um, our customers since ages that there is no need for local warehousing for local storing of things because we as logistic company we are able to bring everything by tomorrow by next week from all over the globe to our customers but now we are tackling the situation with the pandemic and the pandemic is a horrible situation for the whole globe but uh, we have to find ways a plan b a plan c a plan d for our customers to really bring the things from a to b and As I said, who had thought, let's say, two years ago that a whole country can go into a lockdown? I think none of us had even expected something like that. But now we have the, the, the situation that our customers, automotive industry, electric industry, they don't have a warehouse any longer. They want to store things longer because they always have in mind maybe another country, maybe a country where their supplier is coming from will go into another lockdown soon. So then there are running out of material, out of equipment and spare parts. So let's store things locally. But now we have the problem. They don't have a warehouse. What do they do? They're keeping the containers. So now we have the challenge. There are more or less no containers are available on the whole global market. All the ocean freight carriers are completely, let's say, fully booked. And uh, even the harbors are having a big, big pain at the moment to get the uh, Uh, handled uh, to handle all these uh, ships are coming. They're in San Francisco, in Rotterdam, in Hamburg. Always the, a lot of uh, ships are waiting outside in the on the sea that the next uh, slot is uh, becoming free for them to drive in. And they're waiting sometimes for weeks until they're getting the next slot. So it's a big problem at the moment when it comes to capacity. Even air freight is fully booked. You might not know that, but around 70% of all air freight shipments are handled in passenger planes. And we all know. During the pandemic, most of the passenger planes have not flown. Therefore, big challenge for us, how to organize that, how to use uh, airplanes and air cargo for our customers, because we had also contra contracts with our customers. We have to fulfill their demands. We have to bring the things from A to B in a certain time, in a certain amount. And if you are not able to do that, because nobody has a pandemic situation and the contracts, then you have to pay even penalties. And that is also something where you have to challenge that with your customers as well. But then we also started in full charters. We ordered passenger planes. We took the seats out. We brought the packages into the upper deck of the airplanes. We started full booking of air freight of planes in a kind of full charter and started new corporations. So it was also the moment where new business models have started. But in the end, it's not enough. Because the whole market is completely crowded. As I said, ocean freight, no capacity is available. We have air freight more or less fully booked, trains fully booked. Even land transport is on their maximum at the moment. And uh, you might have seen also when you're ordering a laptop or a, a digital camera, something with electronic, there's a high demand because everybody was equipping his home office. So there was a lot of uh, electronics that has to be um, brought from A to B, a lot from Asia to Europe to America and vice versa. So there was a lot of demands. And uh, yeah, the situation that we're having at the moment is that we try to to offer capacity somehow. It's not about selling tariffs or prices at the moment. It's about who is able to do something. And that is a situation that we never had before. And where such a high demand is uh, out there because there are still people who are ordering a lot. Of course, we had to switch and change when it comes to what are we shipping and what we are transporting. Because... Um, was a lot of healthcare products as well, starting with the face mask, but also then ending up with the vaccines. There are new things that we also have temperature controlling things and new demands coming from the customer. But up to now, it's still a big, big challenge. And uh, at the moment, we are expecting that even for the next half year, maybe even longer, the situation will stay like this with a lot of capacity demands, with a 
long um, um, delivery times for all transport modes. And um, yeah, it's really a crazy time, maybe also a good time, because even in these crazy times, it's always the moment when companies are showing their true faces, also people showing their true faces, but it's getting harder. And that is something where we can shine, where we can also convince our customers that even in these hard situations, we are still there, we are supporting you, we are helping you. And that's then also the uh, possibility then really to establish new things, new corporations, new business models, new way of thinking. And uh, you might know 2008, when we had the last time such a the world economic crisis in 2008, that was also the moment where Airbnb and Uber companies like that are founded. And that is also something what the whole uh, logistic industry is tackling at the moment, trying to see what kind of assets do we have, what kind of possibilities do we have, what kind of corporations can we start to be there for our customers even tomorrow. And I think uh, the interesting part is, and the best logistic is always that, that you never see, never feel, because it's still there. So normally logistic is behind, behind the scenes. But now we got the predicate and the new wording. We are system relevant. That's also something that we have now learned. And now also for the for the industry in total, it's also a great push because now people see how relevant logistic really is. And uh, also be there for, for young talents. It's a good moment also to hire young talents because they can really see that's an industry that is so relevant, so globally connected, and so diverse. Uh, and uh, that's a great place to be. I think so. And you know, crazy times make actually up, you know, good times for strong innovators, right? So I can totally agree that uh, certainly in a crisis mode, you can see who was prepared, who has the right capabilities, maybe not um, all the plans somewhere hidden in their desk, but uh, certainly it's about capabilities and making sure to be uh, being able to react quickly. And in that light, um, we have actually seen, you know, recent decisions um, that speak to that. For example, Infineon, I learned, opened a new plan for their semiconductor production in uh, Austria in September 2021. Villach, I guess. Um, but they did not open it in China. Yeah. So um, are these, you know, maybe the first weak or even strong signals that actually point towards a trend back to localization? I would not call it localization, but it's somehow deglobalization. So there are Many of our customers and uh, companies that we are seeing out there who are really thinking about their supply chain, where is uh, something coming from? What are my um, my spare part uh, uh, spare parts are coming from? And everybody thinks now about a plan B, a plan C, how to be prepared and how relevant is this one supplier in one country in one region of that earth? Because when that supplier is struggling. And that is something what we have seen now several times. Then uh, the whole industry is struggling. Therefore, and um, that is really something what we see: automotive industry, electronic industry, semiconductor. They really try to, let's say, find alternatives. Not that they started uh, stopping everything what they have done from Asia, from America, but they trying to establish, as you said, in Austria, in Central Europe, somewhere to have something closer to their uh, to their plants to their um, manufacturing sites that is something we really see also something where um, logistic is also supporting helping our customers what's the best place when it comes to lead times when it comes to distances when it comes to co2 carbon footprint it's a big big thing that many of our customers are really want to know what is this at uh, the co2 impact on my shipments of course when you have pressure then 
we really have to think what is now more valid and worth it. But we also pushing our suppliers, our carriers, that we really having it as a CO two reduction as much as possible, and. Transporting something via air freight from Asia or having something from Austria then via land transport maybe to somewhere. Of course, the carbon footprint is much, much better when you're transporting that from Australia than with land transport than flying. Because air freight still is the, the most CO2 um, consumption is coming from air freight. So therefore, finding alternatives for that is always a great driver also when it comes to that. And yeah. As you said, deglobalization is out there, but that's one thing that the companies are rethinking their supply chains and their um, alternatives. What we also saw that also technologies like additive manufacturing, so 3D printing is now really booming. Theoretically, that's the worst case that could happen to a logistic company because normally we want to transport as much as possible and storing in the terminals and warehouses. And with 3D printing, of course, we are printing on demand locally. But that is something now with the corona pandemic situation, something where also customers now really starting to think, okay, what kind of spare parts already printable? What can we really do? What we can maybe take out of the, out of the warehouse, out of the terminals and print it on demand when we really need that. And that is something where also technology has got a huge push from this current situation. So we got a lot of already of this covered. So first of all, um, deglobalization. Yes. And, um, you know, I think, there is a lot of dynamics going on right now. I mean, for one, you do have the, you know, Belt and Road Initiative, for example. Yeah. So there is a lot of competition that actually um, promises to bring down uh, transportation time by a lot. Then you have companies such as, uh, you know, the boring company from Elon Musk. Then you have the Hyperloop thing and all these crazy technologies coming up that again promise um, that uh, to take down to massively reduce the transportation time. And then you have the trend, as you mentioned before, to deglobalization um, to maybe produce not only just in time, but maybe um, nearby. Yeah. So um, I, I think um, is has that already settled, or do you think the cards um, are not really um, mixed, and we will even see more disruptions and more innovative things when it comes to reducing transportation time and cost? But isn't that cool that all these great technologies, all these crazy things that have ever heard over the last years, having an impact for logistics? And that's the coolest thing I would say, because as that therefore innovation and uh, these new technologies find a great uh, fundament also in logistics because we have to deal with all of them. Of course, the boring company from Elon Musk with this tunnel concepts uh, under the streets or an underground, amazing, cool. There are also German uh, companies like a Smart City Loop, something from the University of um, Zürich. There's another company with a kind of tubes uh, in the underground to transport shipments into the urban environment. They are coming. Of course, there are many, many things are tested at the moment. And that's something what I really like and really enjoy. Because in the first step, we have to test to see, is that fitting to our purpose? Is that fitting to our operations, to our business models? Is that fitting to our customer demands? Even more important. Because I'm always telling our customers, and we know that already, listening to the customer, most important thing, and the right timing when you're bringing something new to the market. Because if the timing is wrong, then even if you have the best product and new service on earth, if the timing is wrong, you will fail. And the same thing is when you're not listening to your customer, then you will also fail. Because 80% of all your own great ideas Maybe no customer needs that and nobody nobody really wants to pay for such a service or product. But as you said, technologies are coming. Of course, also the Hyperloop. We have around 
15 initiatives all over Europe dealing with the technology, some universities, some startups, some uh, infrastructure pro uh, projects, some uh, train uh, operators like Deutsche Bahn also starting to cooperate with some Hyperloop initiatives. I think this kind of technology will come. Would be great to have it now because uh, we are running out of truck drivers, we are running out of capacity, and then using just something like a Hyperloop, so this tube concept with 1,224 kilometer per hour, so really it's a vacuum tube and with high speed, there is nothing faster. Of course, the Concorde was faster, but we all know, not existing any longer. And with this tube concept, that could be an amazing cool for the long distances, even more CO2 friendly than train, than diesel trucks, But I think we have to wait for two, three years more to come that we are seeing the first tubes uh, really in reality and really in use. But then that is a great thing. But that's one part. So we have the tunnel concepts. We have the tubes. Also, autonomous driving is coming. And uh, something that's maybe even crazy enough because we are here living in Germany. And uh, Germany will be, the, might be the first country on earth who is getting the legal permission, the legal setup that autonomous driving level four will be possible. So they brought already the, the new law to, to the government. They applied already. There are some minor mistakes in that. So they will change it. But we are expecting mid of next year that the legal circumstances, the legal law possibility for autonomous driving level four, level four means we are allowed to drive on public road between terminal to terminal without a driver. That will be possible in Germany next year. That's the first country on earth who is getting this legal permission and legal setup that that is possible. So that is another great technology that we as logistic company have to deal with, have to see is this interesting for us? Is there a business case? Is the technology already ready for that to really do that and integrate that? So therefore, there are so many fantastic opportunities and they all have an impact and a relevance for us. And a lot of dynamics, a lot of movement. Um, uh, so we covered a lot, including self-driving cars and the boring companies and the tunnels and so on. Now, how do you actually, you know, work in these crazy times? Yeah. So how do you, for example, sense new changes? How do you find new trends? How do you communicate this? How do you kind of cope with that change? Is there kind of a systematic process at DB Schenker that helps you and the teams and all the, the, the many, many employees actually understand, assess, and then also respond to the emerging changes? Yes and no. Sometimes it's also per accident. Sometimes there's a law change and you have to deal with that. Sometimes there are legal setups and uh, of course when there are some embargoes in certain countries then you have to deal with that situation, whatever it is. But there are also trends that we are really observing. With, uh, we are doing trend analysis. We have a trend radar. We are challenging that with our sales colleagues. We have a platform in place where now everything is coming in from startups, from trends, from our projects, from R&D, from funding possibilities. But the most important thing is also involving your colleagues, involving your customers, involving everybody with whom you're dealing and that you are trust because you need feedback. Because it's not, not only me, it's not only my team. We are only a small amount of people. We need the feedback from as many as possible. And therefore, of course, we have a structured process. We call it an innovation thesis. That's a kind of focus areas 
that we have established. And working around this focus area gives us a clear guidance what we are doing within the next half a year. Then we are challenging this innovation thesis. What is the focus for the next half a year? And that is then something that we're doing really in a structured way. But of course, there are always uh, per accident uh, coming topics left and right. And uh, you might notice all the startups out there. That's totally crazy, positive crazy what's going on there. And uh, if you're a startup within logistic, and uh, we have now in our database around more than 4,000 startups already that have more or less a relevance for, for logistic industry, then you always have to find out, is there something in it for us or not? Is that something that might be an opportunity, maybe a future supplier, maybe a new business model, maybe something where we should even invest in? And this kind of fast uh, feedback loops are so relevant and so interesting because, as I said in the beginning, there are so many cool things out there and you can work the whole day on something that has absolutely no value and no impact to your company. Therefore, trying things Fail fast is also a big, big thing. Stopping things always hard for a German person, but something that we have to do even more. So to your point, yes, of course, there is a process, but not for everything. Somehow logistics people are very much pragmatic. We want to test, we want to feel, we want to touch, we want to listen, we want to talk, and to, we want to explore. So we do not want to write a PhD or a high rocket science concept for something. No, we really want to see, is there something for us? And then, of course, you need a network internally in the company, finding people, motivate people, motivating even the board. Because if the board is not backing new technologies and new, not, uh, not behind these new trends, then it will also be quite hard within the company to really um, establish and even scale new opportunities and new uh, technologies for your customers and for your colleagues. So therefore, yeah. It is a process, but uh, don't overdo that. And I've seen so many great, amazing, big processes over the last years when it comes to innovation and uh, how to deal and how to do that. A lot of them are purely paperwork, a lot of PowerPoint slides, a lot of um, great thoughts. But uh, if it's too complicated, then nobody can deal with that. So therefore, a mixture of uh, a rough process, a pragmatic approach, and the most important thing is motivate your employees, motivate your colleagues, because giving the right people the possibility to meet each other, to meet, to cooperate, giving them the freedom, maybe also some money, time, resources, don't care how they are doing it. Just saying, here you go, you believe in the topic, then show me that that has an impact, a relevance, and let's talk in the next month about results or milestones where you are, and don't care about that much about the process. So motivation of people, because in the end, it's all about people. And uh, finding the right people, being attractive for them as an employer, giving them the possibility to shine, to work on things that have a relevance, and then great things could happen. So, of course, it's in the mixture, right? People, processes, purpose. And you just mentioned before uh, startups being part of your innovation process as well, right? So finding new opportunities, uncovering new maybe in, uh, opportunities for investments even. And let's maybe talk about one of your investments. Uh, let's talk about Volocopter for a moment. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, Volocopter has an impressive list of investors and shareholders, right? So on this list is uh, BlackRock, Jericho Capital, various family offices, Geely, Daimler, Intel Capital, and D.B. Schenker too. So D.B. Schenker is invested in Volocopter. So maybe, you know, uh, start at the very beginning. So for anyone who is not too familiar with Volocopter, 
what exactly is Volocopter developing and what is the vision behind that? Volocopter is really great startup. Uh, it's uh, from Bruchsal, Germany. It's in the middle of Germany, um, 70 kilometers in the south of Frankfurt. They started around 10 years ago with an idea of drones. And we all know this uh, drones and you can buy them and on e-commerce platforms as well for your pri private purpose with a camera. But they really thought bigger. If that technology is there, what can we do with that as well? And they're started with exploring the possibility maybe a drone might be big enough to transport even a person. Maybe two people, maybe three people, maybe four people. So really stretching the technology to its limits and really working on the topic. Is there a market? Is there a possibility? Is there something where we can use it as a kind of a flying taxi? And uh, it was the right moment to be honest, and they started to exploring it more than 10 years ago already and uh, investing in it, finding the right investors, as you said, but they all were following it later and the Schenker as well. And uh, we helped them. That was also per accident because uh, we helped them to bring their first uh, mock-ups, their first prototypes to conferences, to fairs, to exhibitions. So we have done, let's say, purely logistic services for them. But then we got even more understanding about their products, about their services. They And then they told us also very openly and honestly, we are also working on a shipment, on a cargo drone, not on the passenger part, also on the cargo drone. And then we said, hmm, that is interesting for us because we are not in people transport as Schenker, but we are bringing shipments from A to B. And that was the moment when they involved us in somehow let's say, strategic discussions or they ask us, are we willing to do that? And helping them to understand the needs of logistics, the demands of logistics, the operational processes behind. And then we really started to think about what might be the future. And you might not know that the average age of a German truck driver at the moment is around 58 in some regions. So we are running out of employees. And therefore, we need alternatives how to bring the shipments from our customers from A to B. And even harder when it comes to urban delivery for last mile delivery, bringing the things into the city centers. There we need new opportunities. A lot of diesel driving bans that no diesel truck will be allowed in the future. So it was a combination. There was a great company. We know them already. They told us honestly that they're working on a cargo drone, heavy lifted cargo drone. They asked us for support. We had the pressure. We have not enough driver. We have not a capacity. We have to um, the sustainability targets, we have the diesel driving bands, and all in all, it, that makes sense. And therefore, we told him, okay, we really want to shape the product. It was more or less a startup in the startup with the drone business, with the cargo drone business. We told him, okay, we want to invest into that business and into the whole company, being really a part of that journey, helping you as a startup to understand what is logistic all about. What are demands? Testing, offering them also the greenfield in our branches and warehouses to really help them to understand. And I have even here a 3D printed part. So that is maybe a smaller version. But uh, that is just a 3D printed drone. As you can see, there are 18 rotors and uh, there's no person. And uh, it looks like a toy, but the real drone is from here to here 10 meter and the high is 2 meter 20. And there will be then a box under that. And we showed already on the 12th of October, so some weeks ago in Hamburg on the ITS World Congress, that's not only PowerPoint. It's really existing. The topic is flying. The technology is working. It's safe. It's quiet. And it's stable. And now we really want to shape the product, want to scale. We looked on the whole globe. Where are the right use cases? Because we are talking at the moment about uh, flying around 40 kilometer and transporting maximum 200 kilogram. 
with a drone, autonomous flying, and that is something what we really like because it's supporting sustainability targets, because it's electric. And um, we also have the challenge, as I said, with the truck driver. And uh, flying into the urban environment, we are expecting, or Volocopter is expecting getting the certifications for that in the next two, three years, that they're really allowed, allowed to do that. But they're flying about unmanned areas, how they call it, that's where flying to the island, on the mountain, somewhere where no people are living, that is already possible. And that is great. Maybe three, four, five years ago, people said, yeah, 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 drones, heavy lifted cargo drones, flying taxis, that will never come, that's science fiction. Now it's even closer than most of you might think. And it's really coming. And uh, this uh, some weeks ago in Hamburg was, um, I would say, an eye-opener for, for many, many people who have seen it is real. It's working. It's flying. It's so silent. And flying with 200 kilograms on a heavy lifted cargo drone, it is impressive. And uh, therefore, we really love to, to cooperate with them, helping them. And yeah, the next months and years to come are extremely interesting. And that's also why Geely and Daimler has also invested into them. Normally, they are in cars. But in the future, you might know, not know, maybe then they're manufacturing also um, the Volo City. What is the, the passenger, passenger drone? Might be also relevant and interesting for them. And that's the reason all these investors, they truly believe that that business, this kind of technologies will have an impact. They will be available. And uh, what is also clear, we don't want to have that exclusive only for Schenker. No, everybody should be flying in green and yellow and whatever kind of color for every company. Because it's, as I said, we have around 3% of market share. And logistic is such a huge field and possibility that in the end, it's about helping. And if even if more companies wants to use such a technology, it's even better. Because also for the society, they have to see that such a technology is not an, a bad thing. No, it's helping. And uh, it's really supportive. It's, uh, as I said, silent and working. Therefore, it's a joint effort. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, also the cooperation with them makes quite fun. Because you, you might imagine with our 76,000 people, we are somehow an elephant. And they are like a speedboat and um, acting is also culture-wise, completely different. And it's always great when you have this kind of cl uh, cultural clash, but uh, in a positive way. And that is something where we are learning, where they are learning. And again, when the right people are meeting, having the openness and transparency and uh, the emotional intelligence to talk to each other, great things could happen. So great investment case, impressive technology and uh, great dynamics. Now, what... What is it actually? So is a cargo drone classified as air transport or peripheral transport? Or what's kind of the transport mode actually? I could imagine, you know, um, seeing these things flying in the city, there needs to be some way to classify, do paperwork and all the legal stuff. Very good question. And I do not have a clear answer on that because at the moment there are some, the certification is ongoing. And uh, of course it's flying, but it's not complete. It's not competing with air freight in the first step. If it would be really air freight, then we need x-ray scan and all these uh, security checks that you have to do. At the moment it's more oriented on land transport operations because we're not flying that high. The distances are not that long. So therefore it's more related to uh, land transport operation in the first step. But even the law was not uh, ready for such technologies, like the law was also not ready for cargo bikes or for autonomous driving. So therefore, technology is available, and then the law 
is coming always a little bit behind. But uh, we hope and we are working on that together with Volocopter that the legal setup will be somehow uh, in the combination of a land transport operation because that would be the easiest part to really scale and to make that available because if it really would be air freight, like air freight business with X-ray scan and all the security checks, not impossible, but more challenging. And therefore, we really hope it will be more like land transport. Yeah, got it. Okay. And, uh, you know, recently I read that uh, the Volo City uh, will actually be included in the upcoming upgrade for uh, Microsoft's flight simulator. I guess that's a smart move, right? So what, what's the idea behind this? There are so many cool ideas when it comes to, um, because in the end, it's the first step, it's still a startup, even they have now more than 200 people already on board. But it's about uh, being attractive, showing the society that everything is possible, also getting somehow the demand from the society that they also want to see, want to explore, want to test, want to be a part of that story. It's a cool technology and a cool product. And then also integrating them in flight simulator. It's an amazing, cool thing because uh, when you're seeing in there and playing there, then you also want to really have it in, in, in real life and they're really seeing that's really on the sky. And therefore, it's a, it's a great move. But it should also be helpful and supportive because in the first step, even for the Volo City, so the passenger transport, air taxi part, in the first step, you need also a pilot. It's not like a helicopter pilot um, uh, license, but you need somehow the capability and the license to fly. And therefore, training with this Microsoft topic is a first step. But um, in the end, it should fly really autonomously without a pilot because the pilot is always a person who's, who's not paying for the flight. And if the pilot is not needed and two people are sitting in who are paying for the flight, even better for the business case. But uh, having here Microsoft on board from the, from the technology is absolutely great. It's the third dimension because uh, getting data uh, on, the, on the earth for, for land transport already available, but now with the flying thing, you're collecting data also in the, in the third dimension. And uh, the great thing and difference maybe from a drone or from such an um, uh, air taxi um, technology is in comparison to an airplane. An airplane is flying uh, a clear um, line. A drone can stop in the air and can fly backwards and can go up and down. So the technology is completely different and therefore more... Um, Handleable, and but you have to have to do that. And there are also lots of new data are generated now, and many many companies are also curious to get known what can we do with this data. Is there also a possibility for new business models behind the data use of that? And therefore, Microsoft is also absolutely keen to to explore it, to test it, and to be a part of such a journey. Got it. Okay. So with all that we have covered today, I think ultimately the key question remains, right? So how can logistics and transport be made more effective and of course less expensive. So what would you say, what is the focus, what is your focus of um, innovation efforts in the future? For me, let's say that the most important headline when it comes to innovation, I think that's also the responsibility for uh, the responsibility of all other innovation departments out there, is always bringing new knowledge to an organization. And that's in the most easy, best and direct way to the right people within your organization. And the new knowledge is coming from exploring things, testing things, connecting with people, with companies, um, opening up corporations, opening up new business models, and uh, starting R&D parts, uh, being a part of funding projects. So all this kind of portfolio that you need, and then always finding a kind of a communication way into your organization that the sales colleagues, that also yeah, every employee in your company 
knows that there is something that somebody is caring about these trends and technologies and uh, also preparing new opportunities for your company. Because as we said, with Hyperloop technology, as I said, we are 76,000 people. Should all 76,000 people know what a Hyperloop is? Nope. But someone in the company should know and should drive that and should try to find out, is there something in it for us? Is it or is it a threat? That is a go-to department, go-to person. That is something what we want to shape, what we want to develop and explore. And then always communicate that into our into our networks, to our colleagues, and even more also to our customers. So therefore, it's all about openness, transparency, being aware about trends, trying to find out, is there something in it for us or not? If yes, test it. If the test is failing, stop it. Next one. If it's running, then trying to convince the business to adopt it and to scale it. And most importantly, stay hungry for innovation, right? Absolutely. That's, as you can see, that's my hashtag here, hungry for innovation. That's our hashtag that we always uh, use when we are publishing something. Because uh, I think the most important attitude when it comes to innovation is curiosity. And uh, exploring new things, uh, talking to people, testing new things. Um, and that is therefore hungry for innovation, hungry for more, hungry for greater things, hungry for new knowledge. That is something what we really love. But also our customers and our um, supporters and suppliers already also using in some in some cases. And therefore, we really love this hashtag with uh, Hungry for Innovation. Perfect. And with that, we are kind of close to the end of this episode. But before the end of this episode, I am really interested in your answer to our signature question, Eric. So looking back on your career so far, specifically at uh, DB Schenka, what would you say was your greatest innovation rockstar moment so far? My greatest innovation rockstar moment? I think there have been several one already. Of course, when you are starting something somewhere very small, maybe with a kind of a project under the table, then in the end, everybody loves it and said, wow, that's such a great thing. We have never known that we have done something like that. That was uh, 10 years ago with the first electromobility topics. We started in the innovation department because we believed there will be an impact in the future. We tested something. We started the first corporations. And in the end, even our board recognized, whoa, cool that we are doing that, something like that. Or when it comes to board communication systems as already 15 years ago, when we started to use the first scanners. And then the rockstar moment was uh, when we really convinced the truck drivers there's a value, that there's a benefit. It's not a controlling of your activities. No, it's helping you. When you're really talking to the truck drivers and seeing their stars and their, the sparkling in their eyes, you said, wow, that's really helping. That's making my life easier. That is something what I really love. And maybe last Rockstar moment, beside Volocopter and all these uh, cool uh, technologies from the last uh, weeks and months, was a conversation with a customer on the conference. And that was, uh, I was giving a presentation on a conference and then that customer, or that person, first of all, I didn't know there was a customer, came to me in the break and said, oh, Schenker, I didn't know that you are doing so many uh, different things besides logistics. By the way, I'm your customer. We are coming from the roof industry and we have developed a great paint for the roof so that everything is, you can paint it and then it's creating stone hard. So really hard and you will never destroy it. But uh, maybe you as a logistic company and maybe you as an innovation guy having another idea what we can do with that color as well and that was the moment that i do have an idea but i have to see that color said i have something with me he opened his suit and said he had a small wooden thing with that color and it looks like sandpaper so really rough he said let's paint that color in the 
on the on the on the basement of our swap bodies, so these uh, containers, because at the moment we are using their uh, rubber mats that the pellet is not moving when you're when you're driving, and these rubber mats are always gone or expensive, and then they are destroyed. And where are they? So now we are painting the ground with this uh, crazy sand paper um, color, and now you don't need rubber mats any longer because the pellet is not moving. So it's a kind of security part. So that was happening per accident because the right people met, they had an open discussion on something. That was really a cool moment, just to thinking completely in a different direction, using roof industry technologies now for logistic needs. Very impressive Rockstar moments. Thank you a lot for sharing. And with this, we have already reached the end episode. It felt like just five minutes, uh, Eric. So it was a pleasure to listen to you. Um, thank you very much for being my, my guest. guest. Thanks a lot for having me. And to everybody listening or watching, if you want to learn more about this story or get in touch, simply leave us a comment on this episode or just drop us an email at info at innovationrockstars.show. Now that's it. Thanks for listening. See you in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye. Innovation Rockstars. That was Innovation Rockstar Eric Welsing on the passion for innovation at DB Schenker and the future of the logistics industry. If you want to dive deeper into the topic or if you'd simply like to give us feedback on this episode or suggest someone that you think would be a great Innovation Rockstar, feel free to email us at info at innovationrockstars.show. For more inspiring innovation stories, visit our website at www.innovationrockstars.show or browse to our Innovation Rockstars channel on all major podcast platforms.